All right, welcome back to another episode of Real Talk. Jeff here, Dan, thirteen and zero, man. How are you? Back to back, baby. Let's go. <laughs> back to back, Big Ten champions. Couldn't feel any better, in my opinion. Um, I'm still rocking this freaking stash, <laughs> and I uh, I was gonna shave it off, but I told myself that I would not forgive myself if Michigan lost. So now it's just here. Um, <laughs> I don't know what to do about it. Um, Big Ten Championship game. You were there. Before we get into the games and all the other stuff, tell me about the experience. Tell me about going twice. Tell me about what you know what the vibes were. Tell me about the uh, the percentage of fans. Go just. I'm going off the cuff here, but give me your Michigan Big Ten Championship weekend. Yeah, man, it was a uh, it's a it's a great time. I, I any Michigan fan, any Big Ten fan, whatever. I I, I highly suggest <clears throat> doing it. The, the absolute first opportunity you get to do it, right? Um, you know, I won it last year, like you said, and last year was more of an emotional win uh, with Ohio State and everything like that. And so there was just uh, there was just butterflies. There was that just that tingling sensation in the air. This year, kind of how the season's going, man. It's like we're back here. We're 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 at, we're at where we want to be as a program. So it's kind of more of like, I want to say just like another game, but you feel like we're not done yet. So that's how I'm kind of like leaving Lucas Oil, right? But, um, you know, this time around was a different cast of guys that went with me, but still good friends. And we went down there and we tailgated this time. Last year was more of like the sightseeing fan fest type deal. This time we went out and uh, bitter 25-degree temperature. We were right in the bowels of Lucas Oil, the shadows of the stadium. And uh, about five hours or so, we got some good tailgating in, played some cornhole, joined ourselves, saw some friends um, that met us up there for a little bit. And then um, we did go inside um, in the convention center to see a few things, get a program or two. And then inside the stadium, um, we were right there on Purdue's Corner. And I, I got to say, it was probably about 90-10 Michigan fans. Last year was about 70-30 to Iowa. This year is about 90-10 Michigan fans. And <clears throat> I was kind of interested to see how it went because West Lafayette, you know, was only 60 miles away from Indianapolis. But uh, Purdue, I mean, tailgating, it wasn't crazy packed because of the temperature, I'm assuming. But just walking around the festivities and everything like that, I mean, it was like literally every 10 Michigan fans you've seen one Purdue, if that very rarely did you see Purdue fans. Uh, and so, yeah, but uh, the, the, the game atmosphere was awesome. Um, gets really loud in there. And, you know, it, um, it was, it was the type of game where it was close for a little while. Right. Uh, our narrative for being a second half team carries over into this. And so, I mean, we're, we definitely had my, my focus attention the whole time. But uh, you know, we, it was it was a great time. I got more, collected more confetti for more mementos that I plan on framing in a picture later on, like I did last season. And um, but anyways, yeah, excuse me. Uh, got back to the truck, made it back to the hotel uh, about like one fifteen. Door dashed some White Castle, played some beer pong a little bit in the Royal hotel room, and uh, woke up the next morning and, and headed home. But uh, yeah, I, I highly suggest. Um, anyone who's listening to this to make time for, for Indianapolis. That's why I thought there'd been more Purdue fans. I mean, they're eight, four. I highly doubt that Purdue will ever whiff the West division crown anytime soon. I mean, they'd probably be an eight, four team again, but um, yeah. Um, it was just a phenomenal time. 
yeah, overall, I thought uh, just going into the game that this felt different to what you said as far as last year being more of an emotional experience where this one's kind of felt like more of a business trip. I definitely, I felt that just having the game, you know, um, out at my house, you know, I had a friend reach out to me and ask me, you know, Michigan game, game on tonight. And I was like, yeah, he's like big game. And I, and, you know, I'm just like, no, <laughs> you know, I was joking, but like, it didn't feel as monumental as last year. Uh, obviously the win coming out of it, back to back big 10 champs, going back to the playoffs 13 and zero for the first time in program history. Uh, that all, that all that, all that stuff feels great. And I think overall, the more I think about it is like, yeah, this is uh this is a great feeling, but it just seems like it's supposed to be this way right now. Uh, last year kind of felt like after beating Ohio state, we were just kind of playing with house money where it's this year. It's like, We've had to save our money. We've had to be really responsible. And here we are right here, ready to spend it. Now that we're in the playoffs, um, kind of ready to go all out, if you will. Uh, talk about the game a little bit here. So as you alluded to, it's obviously very close. I think the first half was Michigan 14-13. Is that sound right? Yeah. And, yeah. And Michigan comes out in the third quarter, scores 14 to only three points. And then in the fourth quarter, 15 to only six points. So hold them to nine in the second half. And we dropped uh, 29. So Michigan's been doing second half adjustments all year to top tier stuff. I mean, I've seen some things going around on Twitter. I would assume they're jokes that people think Michigan's doping in the locker room at halftime. I mean, they've just been incredible coming out of the, out of the locker room, uh, all year long, whether it's defensive adjustments, offensive adjustments, maybe it's both. Um, obviously the, after the Ohio state game, they were big after the, uh, the Maryland game, I think, comes to mind. Um, there's another one. Rutgers comes yeah. to mind. So yeah. several times this year, big second half adjustments led to led to a uh, a big time purge. But overall, I thought I thought the offense looked looked really good. I thought they're they're still uh, kind of expanding its role. We've kind of morphed over these these last two weeks, in my opinion. Maybe you agree. I'll ask your opinion here in just a second. But it seems like with Blake Corum on the team, it's run, 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 run. Get what you can out of JJ and move on. Now it seems like they've almost looked for JJ in, in points. Um, they didn't have to throw it a ton. And they actually had limited opportunity because Purdue kind of controlled the, the clock in this game. But from what they got at JJ, I thought it was really effective. Opinions on that, kind of seeing this offense slowly transform into – a little bit more of a passing attack in the last couple of weeks. Yeah, I We're not throwing it 40 times, but. Right. I love it. And, you know, we've said at nauseum, you know, we don't care how we win air raid, triple option, as long as the, as long as the deeds getting done, but they definitely have been uh, a little bit more balanced. And I, I personally would rather be balanced. Right. <clears throat> and it just gives more, it gives, just gives teams more, more things to worry about. And, now that we've only shown it in two games, now that gives – I know TCU will have 25-some days to prepare for this game, but now since they've seen so many different looks, you know, that just gives them, an, um, you know, more pages to write in their, for their notes. But, yeah, Purdue outdid us in yards, first downs, and T.O.P., but um, I dig it, man. Uh, J.J. Is, is throwing darts. He had the one lone interception, and that's fine, whatever. He made up for it, but uh, he's definitely – take advantage of the defense with his legs. Um, he's still not doing a lot of scrambling for yardage because he doesn't really have to, but he's been finding guys 
you know, especially like Ronnie Bell. Ronnie Bell seems to kind of sneak around in that uh, 15, 20 yards sideline, oh, sitting in the zone somewhere to to bail him out on the bootleg. But but yeah, man, it's uh, it's been great to see. Yeah, you know, before the season, my most hyped up player that I was kind of talking about at nauseum was Donovan Edwards. And Blake Corum kind of took on way larger of a role than I anticipated. And I'm glad he did because Blake was fantastic. It's kind of what the team needed. He he was he embodied Michigan football in a lot of ways. But after he got hurt, we've seen more of Donovan Edwards these last several weeks getting 20 plus carries. And it just seems what this dude's able to do with 20 carries is just unreal. Mm-hmm. Uh, he literally started the second the second half with a 60 yard run. Thought that was kind of a punch in the mouth. Like, here we come. Uh, he had 25 carries for 185 in a touchdown. He's averaged over seven yards a carry. Averaged, I think, over 10 in the Michigan-Ohio State game. So, he's been fantastic. Um, overall, like I said, P- Purdue kind of controlled a lot of the game. So, the stats don't really add up. Like, legitimately, 33 minutes per possession versus 26 they had 456 yards of total offense versus our 386 uh they had 27 first downs to our 17 um they had two turnovers we only had one they ran 84 total plays to our 55 a lot of ball control from them but again big plays from us um you know the the play that i thought kind of for me it was kind of like a oh this team okay the the DJ McCarthy down the sideline to Colson Loveland where he just straight mosses two defenders. Yeah. I thought it was a questionable throw from JJ, but at the same time when Colson came down with it, I'm like, oh yeah. We we good. We real good. Yeah. So it, it was definitely one of those things where I'm seeing this offense evolve, the play action pass. He was eleven to seventeen for JJ and, and three more touchdowns this week. So really fun to keep an eye on. Um gosh, I mean Purdue's eight and four. They gave us their best swing. We'll talk about the things we like, dislike more of, but anything else before we get into that? Any other key points that you think we're missing here before we kind of tackle well, more? Well, yeah. Well, like you like you mentioned with the the time of possession and first downs, I thought Purdue did a phenomenal job at doing uh, with timely plays. Uh, there's a couple times where they were behind the chains and they and Aiden McConnell who played out of his mind in this game was just literally throwing, just dropping darts and dimes all over the field. He was kind of, and this, this isn't me being insensitive, but you know, he was almost having like a Brett Favre uh, type of game where when Brett Favre's father passed away that weekend, he played the Raiders and absolutely scorched them. And, you know, thoughts out to Aiden McConnell who lost his brother recently. And I mean, he had that same sort of game where he was just dialed in Um, and, you know, Michigan corners, Looked like they were playing zone pretty much all of the first half and came out of the second half and started doing a little man coverage, and it kind of slowed Purdue down a little bit. But uh, I think they had like 76 yards in the second half of passing, if I'm not mistaken. I, I don't hold me to that, but I think that's what that was. So they, they eventually got into their second half adjustments, um, to, you know. But, uh, you know, Charlie Jones, the way he played, I mean, he looked like he could play on Sunday. Uh, so... You know, they did, did they had good tight coverage. Um, Michigan corners, I, I don't know. They, Steve Klinscale, Jesse Minner, they probably, I mean, maybe they t- just, they, they like them just to play tight coverage and, and hope the wide receivers don't make the play on the ball, but they just don't really turn their head around. They don't get really their hands involved too often. 
<clears throat> and so sometimes these wide receivers are coming down with these ridiculous catches and it just, it just happened to the cards, you know, laid where they did. The dominoes fell, you know, where they did. And, but, um, you know, and Purdue is not known for really running the ball. The, the uh, that guy, uh, his last name is Maccabee or whatever. He, um, he was under a hundred yards and he was around 80, but when he was asked to do, um, a carry, I mean, they did. And, you know, that what, what did slow Purdue down was the, was the miss, uh, the missed handoffs. Uh, I think it was like three or four times where, um, the, the read option, uh, they, they fumbled the snap there. And so Michigan kind of had to take advantage of those situations. Uh, see what else. I got to say hats off to, to coach Brom of Purdue and the execution of the players that fake flea flicker. That was masterful. That was funny. That had me, I'm in the game and or watching the game and I'm like, Holy shit. Like I, I thought it was going to yeah. go, for, I thought it was going to go to painter. I, that was a phenomenal play, phenomenal call. But, um, I mean, if they aired it out, they threw the ball like damn near 50 times. And then, you know, Will Johnson stepped up huge with those two picks when they were threatening in the red zone. And it seems like Michigan, like I said, with the, the zone and man coverage in different halves, it seems like they are willing to play better, but don't break, especially against teams like this in Ohio State where they rely on the air raid. And when they get into that short field is when they're going to thrive and force you to kick a field goal. And the last two weeks, that's what's happened. So uh, if it works, it works. So, yeah. <clears throat> so I don't, I don't think they pointed this out in the broadcast. And if they did, I missed it. Uh, Charlie Jones was actually first team all Big Ten for Iowa last yep. year. Yep. He he transferred to Purdue. Um, they did point this out in the broadcast. Him and Aiden McConnell have been best friends since the third grade. Yeah. So they've played multiple sports together. That you know they're very tight. Um, Charlie Jones last year in the Big Ten title game was, only had two catches for 41 yards for Iowa. Yeah. This year he went for 13, 13 catches, 162 yards. So definitely an NFL wide receiver. He was first team Big Ten last year. He was first team Big Ten this year. Uh, dude's a stud. Like you said, should probably be playing on Sundays. I, I, I'll get a little bit more into this later, but um, Michigan did a poor job with him overall. I mean, he really was able to kind of do whatever he wanted. And that's a credit to Purdue, not just, you know, a, a diss on Michigan, but a credit to Purdue for scheming him open because they 100% exploited Michigan's zone coverage slash mm. took advantage of it. So um, ready for like to dislike more of? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'll let you start liked if you want. Sure. Um, my, my like this week was U of M's pass rush. We've been without Mike Morris since half of the Illinois game. Yeah. And Dan Harrell came up with two huge sacks this week. And, uh, you know, Yabioki is, is sharing time with Brandon McGregor. And both those guys had some key moments. So four sacks, seven hurries. You know, I, I they've been doing good. Like, uh, there was times where last week where, you know, C.J. Stroud has some time. There's some time in this game where McConnell had uh, some movement in the pocket, but uh, when they needed to get home, they did. And so, uh, hopefully, with the uh, the extended time here to the the bowl game, and we get Mike Morris back healthy from his high ankle. But uh, from what I'm seeing now, is these guys are doing they're doing they're stepping up. <clears throat> yeah. Um, I have a couple of things here. All of them kind of like equally important. Uh, the offense expanding, at least it just feels like it to me. Maybe I'm over-exaggerating it, but I think it is. Um, I have that as my liked. With that comes 
Colson Loveland and his involvement in the offense back-to-back weeks with a touchdown. Uh, Donovan Edwards just absolutely taking on a masterful role with this team, being an absolute dog, even with nine fingers. And then, of course, the second half adjustments still key to how this season has gone overall, leading us to the first time ever being 13-0 and in the history of Michigan's football team. So, uh, disliked, I'll, I'll take this away, and I just talked about this. The zone defense I thought was really poor. Allowed Charlie Johnson or Charlie Jones to kind of do whatever he wanted. And it seemed easy. It didn't even seem like a struggle. Like, don't get me wrong, Charlie Charlie Jones is a stud. Um, but it just seemed like everything he was getting was wide open. So that's probably the dislike from this game. Um, back-to-back Big Ten champions, I'm not going to kill him too much. But uh, 13 catches for 162. I mean, that's more than what Marvin Harrison got on us. So, um, yeah. Would you like have for disliked? Uh, just like, I, it honestly wasn't really with the, the players or the schemes or anything like that too much. It was really the game flow. I thought that the Fox broadcast was absolutely atrocious. Um, I don't know how it was you get for people to watch at home, but when we're pushing 10 PM and we're not even out of the fucking first quarter, I was losing my mind and, you know, someone would score a touchdown. Then we go kick the extra point. Then we go to timeout. Then we kick the ball off. Then we go to another timeout. And then the offense sits on the field. And then we had the two plays that were reviewed, the Roman Wilson touchdown or the, the long catch that was overturned. And then we had the Purdue score that they called back and then they scored again, whatever. I think on the Roman Wilson, they took like 10 minutes to review that play. And I thought that was just an absolute shit job by the officiating by the, the the broadcast, I thought it was terrible. That's my only gripe with college basketball is there's a freaking media timeout every 10 seconds. I don't personally care for it. Maybe I'm just bitching a bitch, but I thought in this game specifically, it was god-awful. And when this game is pushing 1230, being over with, I mean, come on, dude. You know, so I I just thought it was really annoying. No, I think you, you're on to something, and it, it was definitely felt from the TV audience as well. I mean, as you alluded to, and Joe Klatt absolutely ripped them to shreds. The Roman Wilson review was blatantly obvious that it was not a catch. It could have been overturned in about a minute and a half. For whatever reason, it went into the 10-minute range, like you alluded to, where it went to break, they came back, they explained it verbatim, and Klatt's like, what is going on here? Like, what mm-hmm. what could you possibly be trying to find? Yeah. Like, it, it's pretty obvious it's not a catch, and he was starting to think, he's like, are they calling it a catch? Like, is this where we're heading? Yep. And then it turns out they were trying to get the yard markers right and the time right. It's like, this is not that complicated, guys. And as you alluded to, the officials took over the entire first quarter. It was it was a really rough watch. The first quarter, I believe, ended at like 930. It was over an hour long, the first yeah. quarter was. And two, real quick, throughout the whole game, anytime there was a flag or a penalty, the one ref head official would throw the flag, and then they would sit there conversing for a solid like 30, 45 seconds. It's like, fellas. I mean, what are we doing here? Is it a penalty? Yeah. Penalty? Oh my God. But yeah. Anyways, yeah. That was that was that's my gripe for for sure. <clears throat> no, it, it was a it was a tough watch, and um the the playoff games will both be on ESPN, so I hopefully they'll get that that situation right. 
Um, more of, I'll start unless you got something fun, but Will Johnson. Holy hell, is Will Johnson emerging as the five-star that we knew he was? Um, I've seen a couple of different times people are like, Will Johnson's going to be a star. No. Dude is a star. <laughs> I mean, right now. Um, two interceptions in this game. Uh, coming up humongous. Like We didn't even talk about him enough on last week's pod. Playing up against Marvin Harrison when he was asked to. He was fantastic. Mm. Um, coming into this game and just kind of stealing the possessions away. Um, he had both the turnovers for the team. Will Johnson, absolute dog. And if DJ Turner, hopefully he's he's going to be able to continue to go. But if not, Will Johnson's going to have to be huge. And, and as of right now, I think he is, and I want to see more of it. Yep. And, and mine is is, is kind of how what I said last week is, is stacking these seasons together is that now that we've we've reached this tier of play, it just keep building this momentum up. You know, we've talked about it before. <clears throat> we want to beat everybody first, then beat mm-hmm. our in the same season, we did that. We got to Indy twice. We did that. We got to the college football playoff. We did that. We got back to the college football playoff. So now it's time to get to the national championship. Would I like to win the national championship? 110%. We don't win it. It's going to suck. It's going to hurt. It's going to be like the 2013 hoops uh, natty. But you know what? We're we're going forward. We're not stepping back. We're not Brady Hoke winning the Sugar Bowl. And the next year we come back and we fall on our ass. Um, but the recruiting is already is helping out. And I mean, just the players buying in this winning culture. And like I said last week is once you, once you have players on your roster who have accomplished what these guys have, they know to pass this baton on to the underclassmen and so on and so forth. You start losing to, let's say Ohio state two, three, four years in a row that, that, uh, that's that sting is going to keep continuing on. And unless you have like a jolt, you know, you're going to find yourself in that rut like they did before. So yeah, keep stacking the seasons, man. And, and uh, you know, next year, if you really, I seen somewhere where it was a, it was a graph and it was showing every player in Michigan right now, their eligibility and with COVID and everything like that, you'd be surprised at how many players could, if they want to come back for next year and even the year after that. So um some guys are going to the NFL, that's inevitable. Some guys are transferred, that's inevitable. But we have a lot, we have a good foundation right now. And I mean, I couldn't be happier. I mean, next year, who knows what happens after this season, but I'm I'm excited for 2023. We got we got a lot going for us right now. One more thing before we move on, um, as far as the more of goal number one, beat Michigan State. Goal number two, beat Ohio State. Make sure it's in the same season. Goal number three, win the Big Ten. Only one more goal. Um, Harbaugh just recently was asked, of course, like clockwork. Dude's name comes up for a head coaching job. Everyone's talking about the Andrew Luck article that just recently came out and how he apologizes for retiring early and yada, yada, yada trying to tie his name to Indianapolis with a return to Angel. Tarball says, I'm back next year. Any way that changes, you think? Or you think he's 100%? I think, I think since, now that he said it publicly, I don't think he's that type of coach where he'd go back on his word like Nick Saban. Um, 
if anyone doesn't remember what I'm talking about, I'm talking about Nick Saban with the Miami Dolphins and the Alabama thing, whatever, years ago. But I don't think he's going to go back on his word. And, I mean, as soon as the Big Ten Championship game was over with, he's already recruiting with his assistants, like literally the next day. So um, I think Harbaugh is here to stay. I think he's going to be here for a long time. And, you know, I've changed my tune over the years. I hope he stays. If, if we get this level of play, every, you know, consistently, I'm I'm stay for as long as you sit till you're dead, you know. But uh, I don't think he's going nowhere. Um, I have more, but it'll come in the mailbag. Anything else from you here? I'm I'm good on Purdue, man. Uh, um, I, I'll I'll just repeat. I mean, I don't want to keep repeating myself. But I'm just saying. Go to go to Indy, man. Experience it. Anybody, uh, if you get a chance to, Ohio State, Purdue, Illinois, Michigan, whatever. It, it, that is just it's an experience to be had. Uh, mailbag here. First question comes in from Jen Fisher. Thoughts on Eric All entering the transfer portal? I'm gonna well, let you take this away, and I'm I'm kind of wanting you to to just run with it here. All right, so Eric Hall, obviously Michigan's uh, one of our best weapons going into the last two years, including this one. But, uh, you know, he kind of in and out of the lineup in, the, in September games, disappeared, heard that he was having surgery, that he was hurt, come to find out on his Instagram, out of nowhere, it was back surgery. So he hasn't played, I don't think, since day of September. And we've obviously got news that Cade McNamara is going to Iowa. And the rumor mill on Twitter sphere over the last couple of days was, what's up with Eric Gall? I think he's transferring somewhere. Well, it hasn't been concrete on where he's transferring, but he is in the transfer portal. And his father, uh, Eric Gall Sr., kind of went uh, a little haywire online himself. And, you know, without every single tweet, it's a lot of um, a lot of threatening going on saying that, you know, you know, it sounds like in a roundabout way, Eric Hall was slighted somehow. We don't know w- which way nor how Eric Hall Sr. is saying, you know, you don't want to know the truth, blah, blah, blah. Eric Hall, when he tweeted that he was transferring, he thanked the Michigan fans. And then he did a part two to that tweet and little said some some cryptic words at the end there and, and said that not everything is what it, se- what it was uh, um, explained to me or whatever it seemed like it was going to be. So mm-hmm. a lot of theories out there. There's been theories that Cade and JJ don't like each other. There was a split locker room, but from what we see in the press conferences on the field, in the locker room celebrations, it doesn't seem like there's anything eroding underneath that we can't see from, from where we're at here. So it is a very interesting situation, but, um, you know, Eric all, if he goes to Iowa and he'll continue the tight end, you narrative over there and he'll be with his one of his best friends Cade McNamara I wish them the best I hope we don't play them because I just it, to me it just uh it hurt my soul but yeah it is it is a very um a pending story that continues to grow <clears throat> uh yeah two things so first off there is a strong argument to be made that this team is not currently where it's at if Eric all doesn't take that catch from Cade McNamara at Penn State to the house there is a strong case that Michigan is not where they're at today. Um, so for that, Eric Hall, we thank you. 100%. Se- second thing is, Eric Hall was able to have a child back in, uh, I think it was the second game of the year. Um, 
ended up playing literally hours after having a bring it well his girlfriend wife whoever um brought a child in this world but he was literally up all night with her uh watched his son be born and then literally came and played a football game so to that thank you again unfortunately um i I don't care for the the sour remarks right the you know this program is not as it's perceived Mm, maybe not in your eyes maybe not you know nothing's perfect nothing is perfect you know um brady and belichick won seven super bowls and it's the outside narrative says they can't stand each other you know Mm -hmm. so Again, nothing's perfect. Nothing's always sunshine and rainbows. But I will say this. It sounds like it's not just the J.J. Cade situation. It's not just Eric All in having um, competition with Loveland and all that. This sounds like there's some situation with doctors and back surgery. And I think there was a lot of things that piled up. I don't think that Eric All was specifically happy with the fact that himself and Cade both got named captains mm. and Cade, Cade kind of gets pushed to the side for JJ. That's probably a bad look in, in Eric's mind and, and, and rightfully so. I think we kind of talked about that. We thought that was weird that Cade mm. would be named the starter. And then all of a sudden, you know, the backup that that dynamics off. Mm-hmm. Second thing is Colson Loveland has been great. Schoonmaker has been great. Eric all potentially having to battle for a job next year. You know, I think that plays into it. And then of course, the whole doctor situation where it sounds like whether it's Michigan doctors or Eric all's personal doctors or who's clearing who and who's medical, who wants to push for a medical retirement and all that other. So there's a lot going on here and it just sounds like three things that weren't perfect for Eric. And therefore with today's day and age, he's able to transfer and that it makes sense for him and his, and his family. And um, I wish him the best. Mm-hmm. I wish him the best. You know, unfortunately I, I would, I could do without the the harsh words, they, I'm not saying he like dissed Michigan, but basically saying it's not what it appears. Okay, mm-hmm. thanks. Nothing is though, you know. Right. Um. Next question comes in from Jamie Lado. Number one guy Michigan should target in the transfer portal. He says he really wants Worthy, meaning Xavier Worthy from Texas, the mm-hmm. former Michigan. Um. I believe he was committed at one point. Correct. Yeah, and then Xavier Worthy is the kid that uh, his mother was rumored to yes. have Josh Gaddis. Correct. So Josh Gaddis is no longer at Michigan, which benefits Michigan. Xavier used to commit to Michigan, which benefits Michigan. He's in the transfer portal, which benefits Michigan. So we have a chance, I would say. Um, that's Jamie's want. I actually agree. I have another one, but I'll let you elaborate. I, I wrote down two. Um, before I also end, wrote down two. What's that? Okay. Um, I, I also wrote down two. So since that question was asked, or since Jamie's comment, Michigan did pick up uh, an offensive guard from Arizona State, Ladarius Henderson. He played, um, you know, a, a lengthy career there, and so he'll be. In his I, believe, final. I believe he's a. Ta- I believe he's a tackle. He. Um, I, I I saw he was a guard. To hear no. Okay. 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 Um, and then before, so before that, I was looking at Damian George from Alabama, who can play tackle and guard, and he played all twelve games last year. Or played twelve games last year. He's only played two this year. He's not hurt or anything like that, so he might have got bumped off the depth chart, uh, or bumped down. 
and could be a day one starter. And then my second one was Justin Flo, a linebacker from Oregon. He was a five-star uh, in 2020, kind of got banged up his first two years. Um, and his stats this year doesn't really jump off the table, jump just or doesn't you know shine bright in your eyes. But I feel like he'd be a really good depth piece um, on the defense because uh, Barrett will be gone. We'll have Junior Colson, of course, and Jimmy Rolder. But linebacker was probably our, our lowest depth piece or uh, position all year long now. So if we can get Justin Flo or just just another guy with a versatility, um, I'm, I'm all for it. Um, so, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, so Xavier Worthy would be a massive get, especially if this team's going to take another step forward next year and, and try to continue getting a deep ball orchestrated. And I don't want any Michigan players to quote-unquote transfer or leave the program, but until I see more of Andrew Anthony – that position needs addressed. Yeah. Like they just don't have that true deep threat. Cornelius Johnson's probably leaving. I would imagine he's kind of been that guy and he's not even an A plus at that. He's probably a B. Mm-hmm. Um, so Xavier Worthy would 100% stretch the field and would be virtually unguardable in a play action atmosphere. Uh, second thing, Ladarius Henderson, obviously we, he comes in from Arizona state. You just talked about him. War number 77. Seems like a great fit. 77 at Michigan's usually a nice number. Um, but I wrote down JV on Cohen, the six foot four, 320 pound guard from Bama, the 2020 Bama recruit um, just opened up his enrollment. And gosh, at this point, Michigan needs to be favored in every single offensive lineman um, recruiting, you know, transfer, whatever it is. If there is a guy on the open market and they're an elite Lineman, Michigan's got the favorite if they want him. So that'll be interesting to follow. Um, anything else on that? No, uh, just that I definitely offensive line is is a huge get right now because I think Michigan, <clears throat> I think their tackles, Carson Barnhart and Trente Jones, uh, are the ones that kind of do the little rotation there uh, on either end. What's up, what's see, what I see with little Darius Henderson coming here is because we expect Barnhart and Jones to come back, I think now we have to look at the who's going to be stepping up into the, the two guards in the center now. And so uh, Henderson will obviously address one of those potential, potential needs. So, yeah, give us all the linemen. Get it, anybody you want. <laughs> Keep, bring them on over 100%. <clears throat> yeah. Um, next thing here. This one comes in from Shane buddy of ours who wins the Heisman trophy. Uh, so this is CJ Stroud quarterback, Ohio state, Max Duggan quarterback, TCU, uh, Stetson Bennett quarterback, Georgia and Caleb Williams quarterback, Southern California. Uh, I think that if Michigan beats TCU, I think it's going to go to the quarterback who wins the Ohio State Georgia game. So either Stroud or Stetson Bennett. Uh, Stetson Bennett is kind of coming out of nowhere here to be on the Heisman list. I, my... Real quick, I believe it is decided before then. So before these bowl games, I believe so. Gotcha. I believe it's basically it's as of right now the finalists are picked, and it will be done. I believe like next week. Even I'm looking it up right now just to try yeah, you're to. Right. You're right. Um, Man, I really have a feeling then it's probably going to be Stetson Bennett. 
Really? I don't think they're going to give it to Duggan because he's you. I don't think they're going to give it to Stroud because he got blown out by Michigan at home. And Stetson Bennett is still undefeated and uh, lighting up the scoreboard. And he did against LSU in the SEC game. So I'm thinking that it's going to be Stetson Bennett. And I'm not even considering Caleb Williams anymore because he got beat in his conference championship. That's just my feeling. Okay. By the way, it looks like it's going to be announced literally this Saturday. Okay. Yeah. Um, lots of things to consider here. In my opinion, it's a two-man race. So C.J. Stroud's kind of been the active leader all year for Ohio State. Done his has done his due diligence to win the award, but has slipped and had moments at least three different times this year where he did not have a Heisman quality game. And I think that's going to look bad upon him, especially the last time we've seen him. He got beat. Mm. Max Duggan, on the other hand, has played pretty much great all year. Hasn't really been talked about a ton. He's kind of been looming in the background. They suffered their first loss in an extra game in which he played pretty well, but wasn't didn't really have that defining moment. Also took a loss. Stetson Bennett is probably the most underwhelming person ever to be sent to the Heisman. Because he seems like, and don't get me wrong, he's a great quarterback. I mean, does his thing, but um, he's kind of like that kid that gets the A on the project and didn't do a ton of work, you know, or isn't asked to isn't asked to contribute a ton, but he's there and everyone's having a good time and he gets an A, you know. Um, Caleb Williams, on the other hand, has had a fantastic year all year. He's been one of the top two or three people all year long and played out of his mind before basically playing injured against Utah towards the end. So, for me, I think it's Caleb Williams. Uh, that's who I would give it to. Though I think this is a a year where it's kind of wide open because, first off, they're only giving it to quarterbacks at this point. Mm-hmm. And Blake Corum's name was in there until he went out against Illinois. If he plays against Michigan and he even has 100 yards and then plays in the Big Ten Championship game and only has 100 yards, which he had had for a bazillion straight games, he probably wins the Heisman, yeah. which, kind of, which kind of sucks. But it is what it is. Uh, this come, comes in from Jared Redding. Scott Shatterfield leaves Louisville for Cincinnati. Okay, takes over the Cincinnati job. The Fenway Bowl this year is Louisville versus Cincinnati. I'm not sure if you've seen this. I've seen the the layout. The awesome. sidelines are literally next to each other. Yeah. Interesting. Got a comment wow. on that? <laughs> yeah. It's uh, if Michigan ever played at a baseball stadium, I'll be 100 down. I think that's pretty cool. And I think yeah, I think Satterfield too is bringing his defensive coordinator, if I'm not mistaken. So um, it's gonna be a weird dynamic. I'll be definitely trying to tune in if I can to to, to keep my eye on it because I've I think was it. Uh, was it Northwestern a few years ago played at it was either at Yankee Stadium or they played at Wrigley Field. I can't remember, but they played at a baseball stadium too for I don't know if it was regular season or bowl game, but I, I think that uh, I think that I think that environment's pretty neat. Michigan versus Northwestern at Wrigley. Sign me up. Oh, one hundred percent. That would be so dope. Um okay, I have several questions. You ready? Yeah, let's go. The first one. I tagged you on Twitter this morning, and I okay. asked you to watch a video before this. Did you watch the video? Yes, I did. Okay. Coach Prime 
heading to Colorado. Lots to break down here. First thing he tells his players, hit that transfer portal. I'm bringing my own luggage. I'm doing my own thing. If you're not here to compete, you're not here to win, leave. Opinions on on that aspect of him addressing his players for the very first time. For me, it rubbed me wrong. It it felt very arrogant. It felt anti-Jim Harbaugh. You know what I mean? Like, the things that we preach about Jim Harbaugh. But at the same time, I kind of understand where Prime's coming from. Like, this is a dog shit university that's been on the downswing for a very long time. They were the worst Power 5 team in all of college football this year, of the, of the Power 5 teams. Yeah. He's trying to set a culture. It fell off to me. Opinions. Yeah, at first I watched it, and I was like, this guy's kind of a douche. Uh, if I was a okay. player, if I was a yeah. player sitting in there, and, I mean, you know, players are, players know that not everything is guaranteed to them, right? They have to work for it. But, you know, 1-11, and 11-1, whatever, if a coach comes in, and just starts talking to me like I felt like if I was there, he'd, he'd be like threatening me. And essentially, he's kind of putting their jobs on limbo. But I don't know. I just thought it was a very weird way to go about it. Uh, Pat McAfee on his show with AJ Hawk, they were ranting and raving about how they loved it. Um, so did I, Joe Clatt. Joe Clatt loved it, too. I just not for me. And I'm I'm sure some players bonded with it. Some didn't. I just thought it was kind of a, a goofy, arrogant way to go about it. And um, I understand he was trying to get the point of that, you know, yeah, you stay here. We're, you're going to you're gonna have to earn it. And if you want to dip out, I don't want you. But he did he, he did it in a cryptic way where it just, just sounded like an asshole. And uh, yeah, it kind of made it seem like you don't even have a place on this team. I'm bringing my own guys in. That's the vibe I got. And then in his. Uh, not to cut you off. In his press conference, he literally named the starting quarterback, and who is it? This is his son. His son. Yeah, like and uh, like again, I understand that that uh, they're a bunch of losers essentially because I mean because of their record, right? And but uh, I feel like the first thing you do is you just you don't tear if you want if you're going to come on the program, you're not going to get 140 guys in the transfer portal. You're not going to get a whole new team like. You can't, I just felt like just tearing them down to to feel so small just to get a point across. I thought it was kind of a, a shitty way to go about it, but yeah, enough of that. Yeah. I know we just kind of dissed him a little bit. Opinions on Prime to Colorado. Well, you obviously he made a, a, a nice splash there at Jackson uh, State, but you know, if it works out, man. Uh, I, I think that uh, Colorado, I mean, who knows how long he'll be at Colorado, but, you know, I, I think he can make some noise, man. I think he makes some noise. Players players are attracted to uh, who have coaching, and, like, I'm, you know, outside of what we've seen in that opening statement of his, you know, he's, he's a good coach. So I'm, I would expect an, an immediate impact when he gets his guys in there. Yeah, this is a this is a mega hire in my opinion. I think this is an absolute home run. Uh, if you would have asked me what team made the most sense for Deion Sanders leaving Jackson State, Colorado wouldn't have been in my top hundred answers. Like it, it just wouldn't have. Mm-hmm. Um, so kudos to them for landing him. Yeah, 
I think ultimately college football, I think you would agree. It's a coach's sport. Mm. You, you, coaches win games in college football. Recruiting wins games in college football where the NFL is more of a player's league, you know, yeah. um, coaches get fired all the time in the NFL. Yeah. There's a couple of hall of fame ones and there's some, you know, in and out. Andy Reid got fired in the NFL. Bill yeah. Belichick's been fired. So it's, it's just a different element in the NFL where college football, it's kind of like get in there, build your culture, recruit the shit out of guys and, and build this, this powerhouse, you know? And I think Dion could potentially do that as you alluded to, who knows how long he'll be there, but I do think it's an absolute smack out of the park home run higher. I heard this brought up on busting with the boys today. I listen occasionally. I was listening um, today because of the whole, Will Compton year 10 debacle, but um, I know where you stand on this kind of want to update and it, it's fun to, you know, for the listeners, what's your opinion on rooting for the big 10 this time of year, both games, as it alludes to, are you rooting for Ohio state over Georgia? Like how, how does that fall for you? Hell no. Hell no. Yeah. I, Obviously, you have fans out there that were like, "Oh, what's you know what's best for the Big Ten's best for everybody, blah blah." And like uh, like Terry Reddick, whatever from Trippy J, whatever he commented on my post. Uh, you know, he's like, "So I hope I'm rooting for you guys to beat Purdue, whatever." I was like, "I was like, don't say that." I'm like, "If it was rolls, if it was rolls reverse, uh, boiler up, motherfucker!" <laughs> for Ohio State, I hope. I hope Michigan State loses every goddamn game till next season. I, you know, or from you know from here to the end of time, one hundred percent no. I don't care if, you know, I don't like SEC bias. Maybe I'm contradicting myself, but when Georgia's out there playing against Ohio State, I'm one hundred percent. I say a Bulldogs fan, but I don't want Ohio State to win that game. Well, absolutely not. What when when you guys when rival teams succeed, that's bad for Michigan. Why the fuck mm-hmm. do I want Ohio State to win? You know, um, if they keep churning out wide receiver talent, they're going to keep getting wide receiver talent. And I don't want that. Absolutely not. hundred percent. I hope you lose every game. I'm going to do a quick tier because the Boston boys are famous for tears. So Taylor Lewan, first off, he said that if Ohio state beat Georgia and TCU beat Michigan, he would be rooting for Ohio state. He's like, I'd be scarlet and gray all the way. And I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. So let me give you a quick, let me give you a quick tier how it goes. Michigan one. Whoever's playing Ohio State, two. Whoever's playing Michigan State, three. If Michigan State is the one playing Ohio State, I'll root for Michigan State. But honest to God, as long as one of them loses, I'm happy. Number four, I typically find myself rooting for who would be the underdog, so to speak, or what's the better story, or maybe there's a player. But in no circumstance, and I literally think to myself, oh, well, I want the Big Ten to win. And I, this is my, my most commonly used point, point. I'll use it here. I do not root for the Buffalo Bills, the New York Jets, or the Miami Dolphins when the Patriots aren't playing. Like, that's just silliness. Mm-hmm. In, in no world does that benefit you. And people are like, well, it makes us look better. I don't give a shit how the Big Ten looks. We're 13 and 0. You think I care about anybody else? No. Right, exactly. I don't. So the concept of 
of like rooting for the Big Ten this time of year. It's just like it's mind boggling. And there's so many people that do it. And I'm like, why? Like, yeah. like, why? Yeah. You know, and yeah. if I was I was ranking these college football playoffs, Michigan one, TCU two, because they were the quote unquote underdog. Georgia three, then Ohio State. I want Ohio State to lose more than anyone. <laughs> yeah, one hundred percent. And when when Ohio State and Michigan State play, you know, most likely there's going to be a winner, right? Yeah. I, I hope both teams like each throw four interceptions. They look like dog shit, and one of them barely escapes a win. Yeah, I, I uh, that's just me. And yeah, Jared was like, "All right, well, screw it then. Go Purdue." I'm like, "That a boy. That a boy. I don't. I don't want." I don't want your roses. I don't want your flowers. I don't want your condolences. If Michigan somehow wins this national championship, I don't want a thank you card. I don't want a like on my post. You can eat shit. I really don't care. I I, I, I hate every one of my rivals. Um, when we did our AFC, you know, division breakdown, whatever. I did. Yeah, not, AFC West. Yeah. Yeah, I did not. I did not want any part of talking about the Chargers too much. I thought they were going to be my Super Bowl contender. They're not, and uh, I, I was trying not to bomb. Yeah, I guess, you know, if you're listening to this, and you back the Big Ten, write us why. Tell us why. You know, tweet at us. Comment on the Real Talk posts. Uh, when I share this pod, comment on it, and tell me why you back the Big Ten. But I swear to you, if you tell me it makes us look good, Michigan's thirteen and zero. Purdue's eight and four. If Purdue was seven and three, or if Purdue was seven and five, and we beat them, it wouldn't have mattered. Winning is winning. It it the whole Big Ten make it stop. 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 You know what would make the Big Ten look better? Having as many players drafted every single year in the draft as the SEC has. Yep. And until that happens, pipe down with the whole. Oh, it makes us look better. No, it doesn't. Okay. All right. So Blake Corum was left out of the Heisman talks. Um, obviously, it's, it's a quarterback award at this point. He was injured. Chances he comes back to Michigan next year. What do you think? That's funny. I actually I had this down to ask you the same question. Uh, I, I mean, you know, that's a good question, man. I The reason I ask is because uh, me, you, Fancy Football Chat, a couple other guys, Jamie, we were talking about this, and I think you guys were like, yeah, he's." this was weeks ago, too. Back when he was healthy, you're like, yeah, he's gone. And I, I was, like, taken back by it. I'm like, really? You think he's gone? Like, I, I never even envisioned him leaving after this season. And then after everything kind of went down, I'm like, maybe he would be gone. And then he gets hurt. Yeah. So uh, just what what's your initial predictions? Because honestly, for Blake Corum's sake, it feels like he should come back. For Michigan's sake, I feel like he should go. Yeah. Not that, and by no means am I saying Blake Corum makes his team worse. No. But I, the progression of players and, and flowing guys through. Donovan Edwards is a five-star player. He's he's probably a better running back than Blake Corum. I I think that <clears throat> I think Blake Corum. If he was, if he didn't get hurt and he was going to continue his trajectory, Heisman winner, no Heisman winner. Um, I think that he was on his way to the NFL. He was just having such a productive year. I think that um, his NFL draft stock was just going up uh, slowly but surely. Now with him being hurt and him 
Uh, you know, he's a great teammate, but I think with him being on the sidelines and watching the success that we've had without him, um, you know, maybe that makes him inclined to come back for one more for one more go around. But, you know, it all obviously it all depends on what type of person he is. Is it is he now that he got he, he did get hurt enough to sideline him for a, a month? You know, does that make him more wary and be like, OK, that was my that was God's sign or that was my sign that I have to. I have to close this chapter and open up a new one. So, yeah, I still stand by. I think he's done. But um, if Michigan somehow, you know, if they win TC, against TCU, lose a Natty, or if they win it all, I don't know, maybe with the, with the success of uh, what's on the field, maybe it, it, it uh, puts a fire on them to, to run it back one more time. <clears throat> would What would your mindset be if he transferred? Oh, I'd be devastated. I don't think he's going to transfer, but I'd be absolutely devastated if he did. Um, yeah, I really don't see no reason to. Um, you know, he could be he can be a damn hell of a running back, a damn good running back in college football. If him and Donovan Edwards would take the thirty carries and split them even, Steven, I think it would. I think he would. Um, I think they would be both productive, and it, it wouldn't be affecting them negatively. But um, you know, I. Uh, Oh God, I I don't even want to think about that. <laughs> One last question for me, and then you can answer me what you got. The college football playoffs matchups are set. It's Georgia at one, Michigan at two, TCU at three, Ohio State at four. So you get Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan, and TCU. Did they get it right? Yeah, I think they did. Because and, and it's it's a slippery slope. One. You know, Nick Nick Saban can come on here on you know on PBS and and try to try to sell a tote bag for uh, for votes. He can get lost. Um, it, it was a very interesting scenario this year because Georgia and Michigan won, they stayed put. TCU played for their conference championship, they lost, but so did USC. So it's like you can't. Uh, there's no cho- there's no other option other than to move Ohio State up, but I didn't feel like it was fair to TCU, who played another game while Ohio State sat on their fat asses last week. Why should they be rewarded to jump two spots, right? So I figured, yeah, move move them up one. USC is they've got they've been they've lost already before, and it was also in the fashion they did. TCU lost a close game in overtime. I just thought it made sense. Now, if Alabama would have leaped in like that, you know, Columbus would have been riding. They'd still be riding today for a whole week. Um, so I thought I thought the committee got it right. It sucks that it ended the way it did, but there was a lot of drama, and I think that I think this I think this scenario made the most sense. <laughs> I agree. I thought the committee had an easy job as long as they did not think the room. Um, I could go on a ten minute rant on why Alabama did not deserve to be in but i don't think it's justified for this pod um i will say this and we were making fun of nick saban i'll continue to he did the right thing oh yeah oh yeah he he knew he wasn't going to make the playoffs and needed to make one last uh pitch you know and you know truthfully if you play for nick saban you got to respect that that he was trying to get his boys into the playoffs and I, i i respect it you know um I do think that his, you know, kiss the ring argument and, you know, Vegas and all that other, it's like, it comes off dripping of arrogance. And, you know, I was making fun of him on social media for it, but at the same time, it's like, I mean, 
you, you got to respect the man. I mean, he he knew he had a two loss team that probably didn't deserve to be in the playoffs, but it's like I got to make a pitch, you know. Otherwise, yeah. I'm I'm gonna be left out. So I do respect it. But uh, hit me with you. What you got? All right. So speaking of the college football playoff, uh, as a Michigan fan, even if you want if you want to see this as a Michigan fan, player, coach, whatever. Who would you rather play in the national championship, Georgia or Ohio State? So I here's the thing. First off, very excited for this TCU game. We'll talk about it in a hero a couple weeks. We'll break the game down. Um, Michigan's gonna have their hands full. TCU's a damn good team. They deserve to be in the playoffs. And uh, I think it's a great matchup for us. Assuming we get by TCU. Michigan, if they get Georgia and win, would have beaten the best. Well, they are the best Big Ten team. They would have beaten the second best Big Ten team convincingly. They would have beaten the third the, the third best Big Ten team convincingly, Penn State. They would have won the Big Ten convincingly. They would have beaten TCU, the fourth-ranked team in the country, okay, or third-ranked team in the country. And then they would have beaten the number one team in the country, Georgia, while avenging last year's loss. And they have they avenged they avenged yeah, God they avenged. I'm oh, never mind. They beat Michigan State. Okay, they beat Michigan State la- this year. So literally, their their two lone losses last year. They avenged them. There it is. Mm-hmm. They avenged those losses. That feels. Poetic to me. Mm. With that being said, there is nothing that would turn me on more than beating that team one more time on the grandest stage of them all. And I made this point to a friend at work. He's an Ohio State fan. Michigan currently, as it stands, has the bragging rights of the all-time series. Michigan currently has the bragging rights for the current win streak. Okay? Ohio State doesn't brag about winning the game of the century anymore because 2006 is over with. That Mm. season already happened. Nothing really happened for them. They lost to Florida. Michigan doesn't brag about winning in 2011 because nothing happened out of that win. They moved on to nothing. The winner of a national championship game between Michigan and Ohio State would have infinite bragging rights till the end of time. That would never go away. Mm. In a hundred years, Michigan or Ohio State, the winner of that game would say, we beat you. For a national championship game. The winner was awarded the college football national championship. And we beat you for it. Mm -hmm. I know there's Buckeye fans listening to this. That are literally getting goosebumps thinking about that thought. Uh As are Michigan fans. Like the idea of that. Feels just. Oh my gosh. It feels great. So what's better than 42-27? 45-23. What's better than that? A one one point win in the national championship over them would feel incredible. So it's a win-win situation to answer your question. I know I went a little long there. Hopefully I kind of answered it both ways, but part of me 
just wants to play Georgia and get our revenge. But part of me wants to beat that ass like a drum. What about you? Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, too, you know, I really thought about it, man. Like, uh, it's hard to beat a team twice. But, um, you know, as much as I feel like we match up with Ohio State better, I kind of want to see Georgia again or whatever and, and hopefully – Hopefully send uh, Stetson Bennett and uh, and Kirby Smart out with an with an L. That'd be that'd be great. Um, and uh, yeah, so since we we already talked about the is Blake uh, staying or going or whatever. Uh, uh, let's see here. Uh, if you had to guess, uh, one Michigan wide receiver to transfer, who would it be? I can't envision it being Andrew Anthony. But that makes the most sense. Yeah. Um, him and JJ seem like they're tight. Mm. But it's the one person JJ just can't connect with. He just can't get it right. And what for whatever reason, Angel Anthony peaked in East Lansing in 2021. And we've never seen him since. He debuted and peaked on that day. Yeah. Um, and that's not a diss. Uh, I, I've, I mean, I've, I've wanted the world for Angel Anthony. Um, he was my projected top wide receiver this year. You know, um, I thought he would lead the the team in touchdowns or deep, you know, deep yards. And it, do you know his stats on the year? By the way, I just looked him up the other day. Andrew Anthony. Yeah. All right, it's like what? Probably like three catches. Oh, dude, it's like eight catches for like seventy yards. It's so bad. I thought he would have had that in a game this year. Like, it's just, he was a non-factor on this team. Mm. And, you know, I wish they did, you could find this. I'm sure maybe there is an area that you can find it. I just don't have it. The snap percentage, because he's, he was, he was out there. It's mm. not like he was sitting on the sideline. Mm. The dude was on the field and could not get production. So that would be the one for me, I guess. Maybe he follows Cade. Maybe he follows Gaddis. Maybe he starts a new chapter. Maybe it, it, yeah. would, be, it would be weird, but maybe he crosses over, um, hops on 94 and heads towards East Lansing or something. I don't know. But um, if I had to choose one, that seems like the one that would would make the most sense. But Ronnie Bell's leaving. Yeah. Okay. And Darius Clemens, I would assume, would would take on another – Another role there. Um, AJ Henning still hasn't really been a wide receiver. You know, he's kind of been wherever, but mostly just punt returns and stuff. That could that could be one that would mm. I could I could see potentially leaving. But yeah, I hope that answers your question. Do you? Is there somebody that you kind of have picked out? Uh, I I'm with you on the Angela Anthony train. Uh, if I see him transfer anywhere, you know. Michigan State would probably open open their arms to him. Oh, of course. But I wouldn't be surprised if, and again, this is ifs, right? You know, maybe he, he stays in Michigan, but he goes to one of the MAC schools. Maybe he goes to Western. You know, maybe he goes, uh, I think, because Western's going to be getting a new head coach. Maybe yeah. he finds a role there. Maybe he goes to Central. Um, you know, it doesn't have to be Michigan State. But, uh, but yeah, and then, and then A.J. Henning would probably be my number two, and it sucks because I really like that dude. And, you know, I do too. I, you know, his snap percentage for sure has has gone down drastically, and we talked about it this year of of his role being being uh, 
you know, carved in, in half or if not 75%. And it's a shame because that dude's a playmaker and it's just, uh, it's just the way Michigan's kind of run their scheme this year. And, you know, with the, the cost of winning going 13 and oh, you know, some people, you know, are going to have their jobs taken away. Some people are going to get hurt. Some people, you know, are, are just not going to uh, progress further. And so, yeah, it just, it just sucks. But uh, yeah, I figured I, I'd pose that question because, you know, the rumor mill out there on Twitter was that, you know, Caden, Eric, all are, are not going to be the only ones to transfer. So, and they probably won't be. I mean, Mich- I mean, people transfer all the time. Yeah. And, you know, Michigan has in the Jim Harbaugh era too. I mean, they've lost, they've, they've lost a handful of guys that I really, that I really liked a lot. Some didn't pan out, some panned out at other places, you know, and one of them that just now coming to my mind is I remember we had, uh, we had a five-star D tackle come in, Aubrey Solomon. He was a, oh boy, yep, in SEC country, and you thought that dude was going to be, you know, the next Lamar Woodley or, or I mean, different positions. But you get what I was saying, the defensive yes. line, yes. And the guy did not pan out and he ended up transferring, and dude probably sells insurance right now. And so I, yeah, it's just it's how the cookie crumbles. Yeah. So as far as uh. As far as Andrew Anthony, I just looked it up. So he had seven catches for 80 yards and a touchdown this year. Um, by the way, Solomon Thomas plays for the 49ers. Oh, no, Aubrey Solomon. Oh, okay. Okay. Sorry. Okay. Um, Andrew Anthony received scholarship offers from Notre Dame, Penn State, Arkansas, Old Miss, Wisconsin, Michigan State, and Kentucky. Um, Notre Dame would make sense. They're definitely looking for offensive help. Yeah, uh, Penn State. They would try, they would open their arms to him. I would imagine Arkansas. I, I I would assume the SEC schools are probably out at this point. Arkansas is a mess. Old Miss is their coach. I don't even know what's going on with them. Wisconsin's got a brand new regime over there with uh, Luke Fickle. That could that could be a fit if he mm-hmm. decided to go there. Obviously, Michigan State would open their arms if he's alluded to. So, and Kentucky's losing their quarterback, so I can't imagine that would be a a place he'd go. So, yeah, I don't know. Uh, AJ Henning was, you know, he's going to be a statistic for the end of time. You know, Hassan Haskins scored five touchdowns against Ohio State. Who had the other one? Who's AJ Henning? Um, that would that one would hurt. I like AJ, but like you, it's just he's not an offensive threat. Essentially, he's a great for an end around and maybe an underneath route, but that's just that's kind of his his ceiling. Uh, anything else? Well, um, real quick, uh, we we kind of we kind of steered away from uh, you know Michigan Ohio State, but I wanted to. I got a list of the uh, top eight NCAA teams this past year, uh, past season of most watched or most viewed, and yeah. Uh, so yeah, I'll, I'll start with uh, with number eight and work my way to one. I mean, uh, this was I think put out by Fox, or actually I take that back. This was via Saturday Down South. Um, and this but, is this is total views, correct? In millions. Yep. Yes, in millions. So starting with uh, the bottom, um, at, at being eight, there was ten. I only put down eight. Uh, Penn State with thirty six point six million, uh, followed by Notre Dame with thirty nine point eight, LSU with forty nine point nine, Tennessee with fifty point four, Georgia with fifty three point eight. Bama with 62.2, Michigan with 70.1, and coming in at number one was Ohio State with 70.3. So there is a drastic uh, elevation in tiers there from Michigan to Bama 
and uh, SEC country. And what I get from this too, or what I'm thinking is, you know, because Michigan or the Big Ten, excuse me, has now got that deal with CBS in the future. So I wonder what I want to I want to see in like five years where these numbers are at after uh, the Big Ten kind of uh, takes over CBS. <clears throat> Yeah, the one thing I'll allude to, and not that I'm making excuses, because Ohio State obviously has a brand that's very loyal, and their fans watch the games. But um, so Michigan last year averaged the most fans per viewing mm-hmm. um, over Ohio State, and this year obviously the total was was for Ohio State. If Michigan's non-conference schedule was better, they probably would have had the most views. Ohio State had a Notre Dame game in there that got a really nice rating, so that elevated them to number one um, where Michigan really only had two games that were worth noting, you know, mm-hmm. I guess they had the extra game too. I don't know how that plays in, but um, yeah, that would be interesting to know where that extra, I mean, did Ohio state have a breakaway and then Michigan was able to close that, but that, that would right. be interesting to know. I guess I don't know how that works out. Or is that regular season? Does it say, you know what? That is a good question. I think it's regular season. I think it was regular season. <clears throat> okay. Yeah, I would I would assume that Ohio State Notre Dame game would have uh, helped them out, but um, yeah. yeah, as of right now, it's Michigan, it's Ohio State. There's a reason they're top four. Mm. I mean, these are these are top tier programs, you know. So, yep. yeah, um, And with that being said, I'll say one more thing before uh, before I close my book. Um, you know, thoughts and prayers to uh, Michi Walker. For anyone who doesn't know Michi Walker, I YouTube him. Uh, his story was over on game day, Fox, big noon kickoff, uh, all over the place, made the rounds. Uh, Muskegon, Michigan kid, he was being recruited by Michigan State to play football there. Uh, Michigan had him on their radar as well, uh, defensive end, I believe. And, um, you know, he's barely out of high school, and, you know, he had cancer, stage four, I believe. He had his leg amputated. And so uh, this past August, and uh, I think for the Penn State game and like maybe one or two other games, uh, Jim Harbaugh and the football team uh, brought him in to be a special guest. And um, he is, I think over the last 24 hours, he's kind of, his health has gotten really bad. So it, it, it was looking pretty murky as it is. And, you know, he has a son. He's a, he's a very young father. And, you know, he had his, uh, his life completely changed, and uh, you know, upside down. Um, you know, cancer's, cancer's a bitch. Um, you know, I've lost a family member to it, so uh, or multiple family members to it. So, um, you know, it's it's a big deal to me, and so I just want to shout that shout them out to, uh, you know, to the Michigan fans and and the college fans that listen to this, and you know, just think about him tonight, because um, you know, life uh, life can end and uh, life can change for you. Yeah, I did. You know, back in I think it was August before the season started, they they brought him into the big house and yep. you know, they set up a formation for him and they allowed him to score a touchdown um, and get that feeling. And, you know, the video has been on college game day and stuff, very touching, touching video. So yeah, hopefully uh, everything pulls out for him and he can, um, he can stay with us on this ride because this ride is, uh, doesn't seem to be pulling over anytime soon. So yeah. <clears throat> Anything else? That's it, buddy. I'm, uh, I'm good. Yeah. All right, guys. Thanks for uh, thanks for listening. More Michigan uh, to come next week. I think we're going to be talking Ohio State. We're going to be talking Georgia. We're going to be talking bowl games. And then the following week, we'll be taking a break for Christmas. And we'll be back to you before the bowl game uh, with a complete Michigan TCU preview. So stay with us. 
we're coming back for now. That's it. Go blue. Back to back Big Ten champions. We're out. Go blue. Real talk.